Work Wonders podcast, brought to you by Asta HR, where we simplify the human side of business. I'm Angela. And I'm Susan. Let's dive into today's episode and find out what you've been wondering about. In today's episode, it's another interview. Our guest today is David Schwartz from Board Direction, and he has a really interesting business. He's going to tell us about his career journey, but also how his business can help people with finding a board appointment. So let's get started. This is the Work Wonders Podcast. Hi, David. Hi, David. Hello, it's nice to be here. Thanks for joining us. Now, we know that um, Board Direction was founded in 2013 Mm -hmm. and that you work with aspiring board members and you also advertise um, board vacancies. Can you tell us a bit more about what Board Direction does? Sure. Um, look, board direction is laser focused. We do two things. We help people find board vacancies and we help people gain board vacancies. That's almost the entirety of what we do. We're not a governance organisation. We're not a recruitment firm. We just help individuals find and gain board roles. Fantastic. And I believe you have a bit of a global presence as well. We do. 2013 is when we began. So we're just shy of a decade uh, in business. Um, In that time, we have, like most businesses, morphed uh, and changed (laughs) a little bit, remaining uh, very much focused on uh, the board appointment process. But uh, having developed now a process, we can scale that offering, Mm -hmm. uh, and we have done uh, across the UK, and we have an international service in addition to board direction itself, which, um, which services the Australian and the New Zealand market. So tell us a little bit about your journey. How did you get to be where you are today? Yeah. Well, look, I'm one of those fortunate people who loves what I do uh, (laughs) and happen to be good at it, which is even better. (laughs) Um, So look, I've been putting people onto boards uh, as a past recruiter for almost two decades. Uh, So my journey began in the executive search world in the UK. I came out of Sydney. I was working in uh, social housing, of all things. Oh, really? Uh, Indeed. And I landed my first gig in one of the top executive search firms in London. And to this day, I don't quite know how it happened. I don't know how they <laughs> got my CV. Uh, and I turned up, I remember sitting in it in a room not dissimilar to this with the MD, and I told him my story, which frankly wasn't all that impressive, <laughs> um, although I was passionate about community development and economic development and social housing. And he, uh, at the end of the story, he said, well, look, would, you, would you like to work for us? And I remember pausing and looking at him and I said, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, interview one hundred and one. Like, I'm, I'm not uh, sure why I'm here. <laughs> uh, really, I didn't. And he explained to me what executive search firms did and how I would get an insight into the market, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, "All right, that sounds good." I mean, I was youngish and up for the, the journey. Um, and so I started working for for this search firm. Uh, and my very first gig, and I came halfway in through the process, was um, the appointment of the CEO of the Olympic Delivery Authority. In London. Oh, wow. It was the biggest job in the world wow. at that point in time. Yeah. Uh, and I continued to do roles of that calibre, including, uh, obviously that was a C-suite role, but uh, board appointments. So we were part of the team that did the board of the Olympics there. And I went on to do My significant gosh. board appointments and C-suite uh, appointments uh, for that, you know, seven or eight years uh, as an executive search firm. So I enjoyed recruitment. Um, I'm a detailed person, so I quite enjoyed getting into the research and what have you. What I didn't love was the sales element of it, but it made up for it in, in my earnestness in, in helping people with their careers, which is what I really did love. 
people used to come to me all the time, say, David, how do I develop a board career? How do I gain an executive career uh, or executive role that I, you know, seeking and aspiring to? And I always had something to say, and I learned from some very good people uh, there. But it was never a career, you know. Mm-hmm. Just because I had some advice doesn't mean I could turn it into a business. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I couldn't work out how was it going to be a business. I ended up leaving recruitment when I came back to Australia, and I started working for the Australian Institute of Company Directors. Now, when I was there, I, my job was to help their members work with executive search firms better to gain board appointments. Oh, okay. It was a pilot process, and frankly, not a very successful one. Mm-hmm. But when I was there, I was told that 60% of their members joined the AICD in order to gain a board appointment. But it occurred to me that they didn't offer the services to do that. And I had a thought. I thought, well, actually, I could utilise my skills and my experience to help those members do that, to provide a service. And so I pitched them an idea mm-hmm. and they said no. And I mm-hmm. said, please. And they said no. <laughs> uh, and board direction was born uh, again our focus was to utilise the skills and experience I had to help people find and gain board roles. Mm. And I could work out how to do that uh, and began. We now are the largest advertiser of board vacancies in the country and we provide practical support for people to gain those roles or indeed one of the 80 plus percent of roles that are never advertised. So we do it very, very practically. And I guess our point of difference is, is that we've done this before. So as a past recruiter, I've seen more than 10,000 board CVs. Mm. I've interviewed thousands and thousands of uh, potential directors. I have reviewed thousands and thousands and thousands of board applications. And more importantly, I've taken briefs from hundreds and hundreds of chairs across the not-for-profit, the government and the commercial sector as to what it is they are looking for in a successful candidate. Mm. And so utilising all of that experience, we've put together a program and a process that people can follow, which uh-huh. regardless of whether they're looking for their first appointment, subsequent appointment, or indeed they're trying to develop a board career that can be followed to find and gain board roles. Yeah. It's fantastic. And I love the way you've brought together you know, such a unique set of skills. Yeah. But I also think there's probably some commonality with some of our listeners in terms of you, know, you having this idea and then no one else wanted to do it. So, right, Create I'm going to do it myself. <laughs> That's how the business started. So, David, you mentioned how a board appointment can enhance somebody's career. Can you give us a bit more information and insight into that and why, well, first of all, who should be seeking mm-hmm. board appointments and, and why it will help them? So I've held three not-for-profit board appointments in my career and went through the GFC in the UK as a recruiter. Mm-hmm. And in that period, I could honestly say that 80% of my peers were unemployed uh, or became unemployed during that tumultuous mm-hmm. uh, economic downturn. I wasn't. And I can point to my, my small first unpaid not-for-profit board appointment as being the pivotal reason that I wasn't unemployed. Right. In fact, my career increased through that period. Now, it's not uh, a simple, well, he's got a board appointment, therefore he's not going to get unemployed. It's not like that. But it's the benefits that came through that first appointment, uh, which changed my thinking completely on right. the value of a board appointment for an executive as part of your career. So what was the benefit? So the benefits for me in this particular uh, situation was was through, through the relationships that I gained. And for others, the fact that they had something going on, they could call, they could say that they were doing a job even though it was a board appointment, mm. when everybody else wasn't. And so I could point to being highly connected. I could There was some gravitas that came with that. I could talk about my strategic experience. 
And the networks that I gained through that appointment generated further opportunities for me as an executive. As a recruiter who's interviewed thousands and thousands of people who are trying to get more significant roles, executive roles, one of the questions I used to ask was about their strategic experience. Mm. Tell me about your strategic experience because they, they're stepping up from manager to director, director to CEO, working with boards responsible for strategy. And so I'd ask them this question and more often than not, they couldn't evidence that strategic experience. As a board member, you can do that super simply. That is yeah. the job is to is to drive the strategy of a business. And so for those reasons and many more, it occurred to me that more strongly than ever, that a board career should be part of an executive career. Interesting. So is there anything else that you can see? I mean, you've talked about your experience of it making you more employable, basically, and keeping you in a job. So are there other advantages to a board career? And here I'm thinking of um, some of our listeners who might be running their own small business and be thinking about, well, you know, what would being a non-executive director do for me? Um, it's a great question. I think there's two great ways to get to know people. One is around sport and the other is around the board table. In both cases, you've got a group of disparate individuals coming together for a common goal. It's mm. a great way to get to know people. Now, those relationships can be leveraged both personally and professionally. So as a consultant myself, I can tell you that those relationships have always resulted in paid consulting work. Mm. Those relationships have been maintained over a decade and so they keep paying off. The, the relationships are incredibly powerful. Um, it's a great way to give back as well. Mm. Uh, so a lot of people um, want to give back to industries or causes that they are passionate about and, and sitting on a board is a great way to do that. Others, and maybe this is not for all of your listeners who are running businesses, but others that, who are thinking about retirement and want to stay relevant, want to utilise their skills and their experience and keep the grey matter moving, uh, board appointment is a great way to do that. Yes, when you were talking about strategy earlier, I was thinking um – about myself, no. <laughs> Thinking from my own perspective, earlier this year I joined my first not-for-profit board. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. And so it's an organisation with a budget that I would never have to think about, a number of employees I would never have to think about in my own small business. Mm -hmm. And so although I've thought, you know, I've been pretty strategic in what I've done in my little business, um, it's a whole new level of thinking and deciding and responsibility. Yep. And I can really see what you mean there about that, both the personal growth, but also being able to demonstrate that you, you've yep. reached a different level S suddenly, of operation. And, and as a small business owner, suddenly you can take, you, you can talk about those multiples of budget and scale and responsibility, mm. which you couldn't do in your small business. You know, my, my small business doesn't have a governance element to it. Exactly. Um, but I can talk about that. Yeah. I can talk about, you know, budgets, you know, multiples, multiples the size of mine and, and the impact uh, mm. that I've had on those and, and my ability to govern them. Mm. That's incredibly, incredibly powerful. If you're enjoying today's content and you know of someone else who might benefit from it as well, why not tell them about our podcast? Simply mention the name Work Wonders Podcast and let them know. Not all boards, I'm sure, are probably the same and not all roles on the board are all the same. And so how do you go about helping people find the right position for them and the right board? I think a lot of people, when they start speaking with more experienced directors and ask their advice, a lot of them will say it's a journey. You need to be patient. You need to you know, be ready you know, as and when it happens, but you know, it's going to take a long time. I disagree. I think gaining a board appointment is not a journey. It's actually a process and it's a very, very clear process. Okay. 
at Board Direction, we have this funny kind of interlooped three you know, circles. But if you thought it, thought about it as a pyramid structure, mm-hmm. then the very first thing we do and things that sits at the bottom of that pyramid is about defining your board aspirations. That is a list okay. of organisations that you both want and feel like you can be appointed to. Mm-hmm. If you don't ha- have that structure, that base below, it's very difficult for us to work out how to get to that. Okay, so, so it's that specific. You need to be able to identify those organisations. Yep. A- absolutely. So when we do this with our members, we come up with a list of 12. 12 is uh, the number that we like mm-hmm. uh, and the number that I like because I've got a very small brain and I, and I feel like <laughs> if we do if we focus on 12 companies, then we can focus on one a month for 12 months. Now, that target organisation or those 12 target organisations, mm. it's critical that we get them right because mm. whilst you may have an aspiration to sit on the board of BHP as the chairman, <laughs> if that's unachievable, then you, we are missing the point. Yeah, we, you know, we, We're never going to get there. But equally, your aspiration may not be to sit on the board of the local school because your, your aspirations are for a paid board role in okay. the future. And there's some science to suggest that the first sort of board role you take can be the last sort of board role you take because you can get pegged too low. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's really, really important to unpack your background and your mm-hmm. experience, to think about which organisations you've worked with currently in the past, who their stakeholders are, who their competitors are, what you're passionate about personally, professionally, extra professionally, put names of companies underneath each of those headings. Mm. Because in doing so, you start working out which sort of organisation is going to appoint you that you can add value to, and then we can start putting in a process behind that that's going to actually get you appointed to one of those companies or indeed a company just like them. Well, that's fantastic. It's mm. a lot of detail, isn't that it? That is. Okay. And that's just your first step. That's just yeah. my first step. <laughs> yeah. What's the next step in the process? Next step in the process uh, is about defining your value to those organisations because it's all very well to n- know what your company is that you want to be appointed to and, and to think you can add value. But if I was to put you in front of the chair or one of the decision makers for those companies or those boards uh, and you didn't have a compelling pitch to make, then it's going to be very difficult for them to have confidence in you and to recommend you to their board. So we think about what your value is at board level. And so I always ask people to jot down two pieces of writing and and answer these questions. The first is, at board level, what I do is. So what is the one thing that if I was to put you onto my board, you would give me? What's the ROI? What's the return on the investment that I would get on you? And then the second is, and I do that by, and then you can explain how you do it. And so rather than starting with that, this is the process, we start thinking about what's the result. Because what people tend to do is they talk about their own motivations. They talk about why they want to be on a, on a board mm. rather mm. than thinking about what is it that's going to help somebody make a decision in my favour? What are yeah. their motivations? Um, and so we break those motivations down into five things. Again, having taken briefs from hundreds of chairs, I know what they are, <laughs> um, prior governance experience. Mm-hmm. Now, that is having sat on or worked with boards before. The second is an executive skill set that's valuable at board level. The third is then, then around the networks and the relationships that you bring. The fourth is then around demonstrable passion. What can you demonstrate passion in as opposed to just like? And then finally, it's around cultural fit. If Mm. I was to put you on on my board or if a chair was to put you on a board, are you going to risk their reputation? Are you going to be a good fit for the organisation? And so they're the five things that our pitch focuses on. That's the second thing that we help people to to define and to articulate, both in terms of a board CV, but also in terms of a water cooler moment when you bump into a chair and they say, why are you looking for a board appointment? You can tell them. 
of course, the answer to the first interview question you're going to get, which is, why should we appoint you? <laughs> yes. And so we need to have this. And so in conjunction with a list of target organisations and a very, very clear pitch, we start gaining some confidence that a board appointment might be achievable. Yeah. So that's the second thing that we do. Okay. That's really interesting because, yeah. you know, when you start from scratch, you'll you, do think, well, are my skills going to be of any value? Yeah. And, and then when you talked about those five things then, I was thinking, well, yes, a lot of people can tick off, you know, that they, they have something to Absolutely. bring that they may not have realised before that mm. could be of value. Mm. So you have a three-step process. What's number three? So we work with alliteration. So we talk about aspiration in yes. the first instance, articulation in the second, and then thirdly, it's about application. Right. That means applying the knowledge about what your target is and what your pitch is, your, your value, and how you actually turn that into a board appointment. When I was at the AICD, I did a study. I asked how current board members found their most recent board appointment. The findings weren't that surprising. 65% of people said they were appointed to their most recent board via a personal connection. 15% said they directly approached an organisation with an offer to help. 10% via recruiters and 10% via an advertised role pretty clear that directors thought it was their personal connections that got them that board appointment. Mm. That's great. I mean, that's good to know. Provided you've got those connections. Yeah. Exactly. And so people, when I say this, say this to people, they sometimes think, oh, well, you know, I, I know John, Jim and Jane, they're experienced directors, <laughs> they're going to get me a board appointment. Or alternatively, you know, head between their hands Too and just hard. think, I haven't got any of those connections. Yeah. Mm. Which is music to my ears because they are the simplest thing for us to fix. Really? There was a study uh, quoted in Malcolm Gladwell's book, Tipping Point. Um, by a guy called Mark Grenabetta, who wrote a classic study called How to Get a Job. And in that, he interviewed a few hundred uh, Boston executives and he asked them how they found their most recent executive appointment. He found that 56% were appointed by a, a personal connection. So mirroring my study. He found that an overwhelming 83% of that 56% uh, were appointed by somebody that they saw rarely or infrequently. He calls these people weak ties. So th for me, that was revolutionary. So John, Jim and Jane that I know, no value to me whatsoever. Yeah. It's about these weak ties. And I thought, well, okay, if that's the case, then who are these people? Because it's all very well to know <laughs> yeah. somebody I see rarely or infrequently is going to get appointment, but who are yeah. these magical people and how do I connect with them? And so we go back to, hey, well, what are your target organisations? Once you've got your target organisations, then we can start mapping out who the people are in and around that organisation, particularly the current and the past directors, for you to start developing relationships with. So we start building a process, right? We start getting the names of companies, the names of business of individuals, and then with your pitch, you're very clear what I do at board level is pitch. Yes. You can start going out to those people really authentically and legitimately. And because they are individuals that are focused around an organisation that you are passionate about, that you know you can add value to, that's within your industry or sector or skill set, you can have those authentic conversations. You're not asking somebody to buy something from you mm. that they've don't know anything about or who you are or why we're even speaking with you, suddenly we can start building really strong, authentic relationships with these weak ties. I really like that. I do. Imagining where they would be in your life and yeah, how to yeah. reach out to and them. And the yeah. fact that um, you know, your basic approach is I, I can help your board, this is what I bring, mm. not I want to be on your board yeah. because of what it will do for me. Yes, it's, yeah. it's, it's an incredibly powerful approach and that we've helped thousands of people gain board appointments on that with that process. Mm, right. And because 80% of roles are never advertised, this is, yeah. how, this is how it happens. Yeah. yeah. There isn't a silver bullet, but if there was, this is as close <laughs> to it as possible. 
That's fascinating, isn't it? It's not like you can just jump on the internet and find it, but one place you can <laughs> is with you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. If it's publicly available, we have it listed on, yeah. on our site, but we are very clear. We just follow the statistics. If 10% of roles are advertised, we have them, Yeah. but we need to spend 90% of our time doing something else yeah. and think about those board vacancies, which aren't advertised in one particular place, mm. as, as complementary to the process, which is really going to unlock opportunities. Mm. So, David, can you tell us a bit about how you work with someone seeking a board appointment? What are what are the options for them when they come to board direction? Sure. So, board direction is so we're, we're a membership business. People okay. join us uh, as individuals. Uh, so, in the first instance, our access package provides access to the four and a half five thousand board vacancies that we source across the government, not for profit, and commercial sectors each year. Our access plus package includes access to the board vacancies plus a board CV. So I recraft an executive CV, turn it into a board CV, write that pitch. So we help them with their LinkedIn profiles as well. Just helps them gain the board roles when they find them. Our executive package is probably the one that most people gravitate towards. It includes access to the board vacancies and a board CV, but it also includes access to our board search training series. Uh, There's 10 hours of content there, which is broken into elements. For example, I'm writing an application. How do I do that? or I'm just about to see a recruiter, how do I deal mm. with them, how do I impress them, or I'm just about to have an interview for a, a board appointment. What are the questions we're going to get asked, yeah. how do I answer them? But within that are three implementation sessions, which are, unsurprisingly, uh, addressing those three core pillars of a board appointment. <laughs> okay. uh, so that's wrapped up within our board search training series. That's something I've designed. Um, I help people with their board applications through that process as well. And because accountability is important, we do quarterly accountability as well. We get people in for what's called a momentum session. Uh, we uh, answer, well, I answer their questions, but I also give them some thought leadership. Um, and then at the top end of what we do, uh, I have a some uh, a program called the Non-Executive Director Program. I work with 25 people a year on that. Uh, and through that process, uh, we can actually guarantee a board appointment. Uh, we can guarantee one because – We've done it hundreds of times before. We know the process right. works. Yep. It's a partnership, but I drive the process. So I speak monthly with my members. Um, we find them 300, 350 uh, past and current directors to have conversations with. So those okay. weak ties, we do that work for them. Um, uh, I give them the language and the sport and drive to c- connect with those people really authentically. And so that's how we work. That's fantastic. And so we, we will put links to your website, obviously. Very kind of you. And, uh, well, I'm sure many of our listeners are going to be curious yeah. about finding out more and uh, looking at those different membership levels and how they might be able to help them. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been really enlightening. I've never heard so much about board appointments before. It's been really interesting. Thanks, Angelus. Yes, Pleasure thanks, Tim. listening to the Work Wonders podcast brought to you by Asta HR. Hit the subscribe button now to never miss an episode. And if you'd like to continue the conversation with us, you can find us over at astahr.com.au. See you in the next episode.